0: The Gospel of Christ is an announcement. It's a report that we hear. And we've been given as Christians a message. It's a treasure that we're to guard and to proclaim. It's an announcement, and the guarding sense of it is that we're never to change it. We're never to allow, you know, the changing tide of human opinion to kind of mush it around. And every generation is tempted to turn loose of the Gospel and let it become some other Gospel, But the glad tidings are entrusted to us from God. They're an announcement. They're a report. And we should, in one sense, read it to people. And that's what we do when we proclaim God's Word. If you're given an announcement, you say, what's my job? Just get that announcement
1: done. You get the gospel out. You get the announcement out. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Heed the Glad Tidings. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started.
0: Turn to Romans 10, the 10th chapter of Romans. I want to pick it up at verse 13 just to review where we were because as I said last time, Romans is, uh, should be read in one sitting. It should be understood as one great statement of the gospel. And so uh, when we take a section out of it, it's good to see the context. And you remember this tremendous chapter announces repeatedly, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today, if you will call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. And you can't call upon Him if you don't believe in Him. It isn't just using His name like a magic Omen of some sort. In fact, right after saying that in verse 13, he unfolds these haunting questions. Verse 14, How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. Proclamation is near to God's heart. What is God doing today? Well, He's doing a lot of things. But He's not busy. He's not uh, like we get kind of frazzled and we forget what we're doing because we're so... His great focus... Of all that he's doing in all creation will one day be all tied together and we will see it more clearly than we do now. But we've got his word on it. He is proclaiming Jesus Christ. He's going to wrap up everything in Jesus Christ. The headlines of today and yesterday and tomorrow will one day be seen to all come together around God's eternal purposes in his son. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to save sinners. And uh, He is proclaiming that, and it is near to His heart, and we have the privilege of being part of that. That's why I say, to me, you look at verse 14, 15, these are haunting questions, and they're designed to be. Because God wants to stir our hearts to be involved with what He's doing. We are never more Christ-like than when we are telling others of Christ, than when we are seeking to let our light shine at work so that they might see our Father and give Him glory as they see our good works. We're never more Christ-like than when we're using our money to proclaim the gospel, to send missionaries, to go take the gospel, the glad tidings to the world. Because Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And he didn't send an angel. He didn't send a a representative. He himself went. He came. God, Emmanuel, came to this earth. This is central to what God is and who God is. He came and he said, as I've been sent by the Father, so I send you. And I believe verse 14 and 15 should govern our hearts... Because they're a proclamation. This whole middle part of Romans, the whole book of Romans really, but this whole middle section of Romans is a proclamation of his heart. And he's saying, yes, people are obstinate and disobedient. We're going to see that at the end of this chapter. But he's got his arms stretched out like this all day long. And he's saying, how are they going to call upon him if they haven't believed him? How are they going to believe if they haven't heard? And how are they going to hear if we don't tell them? And how are we going to tell them if we don't send missionaries and evangelists and ourselves, the mission of the church is to send, to go, and proclaim to our generation, people in your neighborhood, in your classroom, people across the ocean, our whole generation were commissioned to reach with the gospel. And notice how he closed that verse, verse 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who do this. Of those who bring glad tidings of good things. Now, I said last time, maybe not beautiful in in man's eyes. I mean, you just don't see on the beautiful people list, you know, the humble evangelist or the missionary or the Bible translator or the Christian who is seeking each day at work to represent Jesus Christ. But I don't care what the world thinks. I'm more interested in what God thinks. And God says, how beautiful are the feet of those who take the gospel, who do what I said, who go out with the gospel. How beautiful are the homes, not that have just the right architecture or just the right landscaping or just the right carpet or everything else that we love to get all enthralled with. How beautiful are the homes that are used as a light in their community to proclaim the gospel? How beautiful is your house or your apartment or wherever you live if you'll use it as a home base for operations to reach people for Christ? How beautiful are your clothes, not if they're just the right clothes, but if they're used to reach people for Christ? If you just simply see dressing as a way to accomplish the main goal. How beautiful are your shoes? Everything could be said about this. How beautiful is your bank account? if it's put in God's hands, and how ugly these things are if they're held on to for our purposes. When we say, praise God, he died for me, it's really good to think about. And then live as if we're ours to do as we want with. It's our stuff, it's my money, it's my house, it's my clothes, it's my career, it's my time, it's my middle age, it's my retirement. Oh, no, that's ugly. How beautiful, on the other hand, when you see it. And haven't you noticed? Believers who really give themselves over to Him, there's a beauty, there's a winsomeness about it. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. It would be well for us, no doubt, to just spend the whole morning thinking about that. But I want us to move on and see the connection. So uh, let me just exhort you on this issue, like all issues, but particularly on this issue. You know, uh, that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. And vice versa, I'm pretty well convinced in you know, a We need to get our minds in line with His mind. We need the mind of Christ, and we've got the mind of Christ. We don't have to speculate. He told us. He said, here it is. Now, the natural man doesn't understand these things. They're foolishness to him. But we've been given the Holy Spirit, and we've got the holy book on it. And so we can know what's beautiful to Him. And we should seek above all else to get our mind in line with His, our heart in line with His. And I'll tell you, His heart is all about proclaiming His Son. And we should be too. Now, verse 16. However, they did not all heed the glad tidings. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. But I say, surely they've never heard, have they? Indeed, they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? At the first, Moses says, I'll make you jealous by that which is not a nation. And by a nation without understanding will I anger you. And I, Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who sought me not. I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. But as for Israel, he says, all the day long, I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Now, God has accomplished the gospel. The gospel isn't about what we're supposed to do. The gospel, the good news is what God did. He sent His Son. The objective truth of the gospel is that Jesus Christ died for sinners. He rose again on our behalf and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He not only has accomplished the gospel, he's proclaimed the gospel. And we're commissioned to proclaim the gospel. That doesn't mean everybody's going to listen. And he says, they didn't all heed the glad tidings. Now, they, all through this chapter, he's speaking of Israel. But as we've seen, Israel's unbelief is a picture of all unbelief, Jew, Gentile, So don't just relegate this. I mean, get the truth here, and don't miss the connection of chapters 9, 10, and 11, what God is doing and uh, in his purpose and in his plan and how Israel and the promises to Israel all fit into that. Don't miss that, but don't miss the application either, the universal application, because he has expanded this out even with his language, whoever will call on the name of the Lord. How are they going to call on him if they haven't believed in him? How are they going to believe if they haven't heard? Go tell them. So he's speaking of Israel when he says they, but he's speaking of all unbelief, really. And Isaiah 53, which is uh, where he quotes from, laments the unbelief of the nation. Now, I'll tell you, a gospel that is believed by everybody isn't God's gospel. Jesus said, I came in my name, you don't believe me. Another is going to come in his own name and you'll believe him. Uh, The world, God knew, would not believe or heed the gospel. And if everyone heeded the gospel, it wouldn't be God's gospel. And uh, keep that in mind when you face discouragement or wonder, why don't people believe? Well, uh, God knew all about this. But I want you to notice three things here in verse 16. First of all, you take verse 16 and 17 together, and faith, which comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, Faith, belief, and heeding are synonymous. He's talking about the same thing. To believe the report is to heed. And he uses the word obey here. And the word obey, by the way, in Greek, is just a compound of the word hear. It's to hear, and it has a prefix that says under. It's to listen. It's to Here under it, it's to obey, it's to heed what you've heard. And so faith, as he mentions it in verse 17, belief and heed. We're talking about the obedience of faith. Remember, look back at the start of Romans just for a second. Remember, uh, Paul hasn't lost this thought from the beginning, and he takes it all the way through to the end. He said he's received grace and apostleship. Verse 5 of the book to bring about the obedience of faith among all the gentiles for his name's sake i've been commissioned to bring about the obedience of faith and when he gets to the end of the book take a take a glance at 16 verse 26 he's still talking about the gospel of the eternal god and he's been has been made known to all the nations leading to the obedience of faith to heed the gospel is to believe it And uh, it's a hard issue. Unbelief is rebellion and obstinance. And that's a hard issue, too, of course. Then, secondly, notice that the glad tidings look at verse 16. The glad tidings, back in our text now, or verse 15, I should say, the glad tidings are a report, a report, a message. The gospel of Christ is an announcement, it's a report that we hear. And we've been given as Christians a message. It's a treasure that we're to guard and to proclaim. It's an announcement, and the guarding sense of it is that we're never to change it. We're never to allow you know, the changing tide of human opinion to kind of mush it around. And every generation is tempted to turn loose of the gospel and let it become some other gospel but the glad tidings are entrusted to us from God. They're an announcement. They're a report. And we should, in one sense, read it to people. And that's what we do when we proclaim God's Word. If you're given an announcement, you say, what's my job? Just get that announcement done. Well, I think I'll change it. I don't think people want to hear this. Well, they're supposed to hear this. That's, that's his job, not our job. You say, well, they don't all hear. In fact, quite most of them don't. That's not your concern. You get the gospel out. You get the announcement out. And you just get it the way he gave it to you. So you guard it. But you proclaim it broadly. And we should do everything in our means and in our resources to get the gospel out. And uh, he's committed to us the word of reconciliation, he says in Second Corinthians. And then thirdly, to believe the gospel is to know the power of God. Those who believe the announcement are those who see the power of God. What do I mean by that? Well, he quotes Isaiah 53 here. Lord, who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? Well, he tells you in the next line, to whom the arm of the Lord has been revealed. You want to see the power of God? Take his word and believe it. Believe the report and you will see the mighty arm of God. And those who have seen the mighty strength of God are those who believe. And there's no connection to God apart from his word. In other words, you can't say, well, I don't believe that about God, but I have a connection with God. Oh, no, you don't. You've got some other God, but you don't have the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible, because he's made himself known through this report. This glad tiding. The word of the cross, Paul puts it this way. He says the same thing as I'm saying out of Isaiah 53. The word of the cross is to those who are perishing, foolishness. If you don't believe it, or if you say it's foolishness, <laughs> it's old-fashioned stuff, or it doesn't apply today. To those who are perishing, that's what it is. You've identified who you are, if that's your take on it. You're perishing. But to us who are being saved, I'm quoting the rest of First 1 Corinthians 1.18, But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And the gospel is just that. I'm not ashamed of it, Paul said in the beginning of this book, because it's the power of God for salvation to all who believe. It won't be power of God for your salvation if you disregard it or mock it or ridicule it or change it or disregard it. Oh, no. But it's for those who believe. So, he says, faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith, saving faith, heart belief comes from God. It's a gift of God, and it comes through God's word being proclaimed. God is the God of grace. You can't read these chapters and not see that. There was no wisdom in us. It was not according to the man who wills or the man who runs, but according to God who has mercy. But he who ordained all things ordained that faith would come through proclamation. Look at verse 17. It's a summary, really, of the questions that he's raised. Faith, where does it come from? It comes from hearing. Hearing what? The word, the proclamation. He uses the word here, by the way. Uh, the Greek word here for the word of Christ is not what we might expect the logos, but the rhema. And they're used interchangeably and synonymously at times. But the emphasis on this one is that the, the proclamation, the utterance. And it can be written or, uh, verbal, but the emphasis is that personal nature. That's why I said last time, you know, it's not enough just to get the Bible out. Oh, I praise God for the Bible societies and I am so thankful that I was born into a country where I had an English Bible given to me early on, and I can read it. And we need to proclaim the gospel in that way by getting the Bibles out. But that alone isn't what's on Paul's heart here. And Isaiah uh, 53, for instance, that he quotes from, you remember uh, the Ethiopian was reading Isaiah 53 when Philip said, do you understand? He said, "No. how can I unless somebody helps me? And Philip had the joy of proclaiming Christ to him taking the scripture that he was beginning to wrestle with and opening it up for him. It's all God's work, but God has designed things that he uses us. And we are highly privileged to be part of the process. It's the proclamation of the word of Christ. Look at verse 17 there for a minute, and let me just remind you that that is our message. That's our report. Christ! It's the word about Christ. It's the word from Christ. It's almost hard to see what he's saying here. You can argue it both ways because is he talking about the message about Christ or the message from Christ himself? We've got to hear the voice of Christ and we hear it when the word of Christ is proclaimed. And the Holy Spirit brings it home to hearts. And the focal point of it all is Jesus Christ. Christ. Not a church. That's not my message. Christ, not a philosophy, a Christian philosophy. You know, if we'd all just do unto others, what a world this would be! If we'd just do unto others as they'd do, as we'd have them do unto us. That's nice talk, but that's not the gospel. Because we're not trying to make this what a world this would be if we were just more like no. That's a tangent, you might say. Now, don't misunderstand me. When you come to Christ, you are to do unto others as you'd have them do to you. But Christ is the message, not a religion, not a philosophy, not a system of thought. Christ, and you know, that goes initially and that goes continually. And let me just stop and remind you of that, Christians, because we're not to go beyond Christ. Initially, Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But then we don't just say, okay, now we've got that, now we move on. Uh, The whole life of the Christian is a life of faith. And faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. That's why when we open our scripture, we're not just getting religious data. We're hearing from Christ. We're hearing about Christ. We're hearing the word of Christ. And Paul said, you know, I worry for you, Corinthians. He said in 2 Corinthians 11. Lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray from the simplicity and devotion and purity of devotion to Christ. Christ. You know, some Christians get off on this tangent or that tangent and they kind of lose sight of Christ and they wonder why they begin to shrivel up and bear no fruit. And maybe they're off into their favorite doctrine, or their favorite practice of the church, and they say we 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 have a fellowship based around you know we just have their certain little thing. but they lose sight of Christ, and they lose sight of the dynamic, the reality, the Alpha and the Omega. He's it. We need to grow in Christ. That's why he says in Colossians two eight he says see to it. He talked to Christians. See to it that no one take you captive by empty philosophy and the vain ideas of man rather than according to Christ. That's why when you pick up your Bible this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, ask God to show you His Son. Ask God to open up more beauty of Christ as you read from Genesis to Revelation. It is the Word of Christ that we feed on. That's why Paul said at the end of his life, Oh, that I might know Christ. Well, he knew Christ, you say. Yeah, he knew Christ. He knew Christ like few know Christ. But his burden was to know him better. Oh, that I might know him. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering.
1: You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Heed the Glad Tidings, a message from our series, In the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org, or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast.
0: The day to day pours forth speech, night to night reveals knowledge. Go back and read that 19th Psalm. Go back and read every testimony of the Scripture to creation. In other words, every time the, the Bible says, listen, God is the one who did these things, and then realize... According to Romans 10, according to God's eternal word on it, that this is the word of Christ being proclaimed. The Bible opens, or I should say the gospel opens in John with, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The word who became flesh dwelt among us. All things were created through him, and apart from him, nothing was created that has been created. When we see who the creator is, it is Jesus Christ.
1: Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, Heed the Glad Tidings. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.